Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Well, welcome back to the Growth Factor podcast, the broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor John. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at St. Mark, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Philip L. Pointer, Sr., and we are in the middle of a series called Make It Make Sense. And for the past week or so, we've been going through genres, and this for this episode, we're going to do what we've been telling the people to do. We're going to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to slow it down a little bit, do a little slow jam in the parables and talk about the parables that as they appear in Scripture. So for this episode, we're going to make it make sense with regard to the parables. Okay, Pastor Point. Now, this is where we landed here as we were preparing this lesson. We said... These parables are important enough for us to sit back, slow down, and go through them because there's so many of them in Scripture, and because we understand the frustrations that come with us hearing people interpret these parables, mm. we're like, we have to walk through this. We got to slow yeah. walk this thing. Yeah, I mean, parables are very important, and of course, the most famous ones are the ones of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, parables are critical John, because Jesus uses them strategically. They, they are one of the clearest, most direct ways that Christ communicates divine truth. Mm -hmm. um, and because they are such a regular part of his teaching and preaching ministry, mm -hmm. it's important that we get them right. Yeah. Uh, if, if we want to be followers of Jesus Christ and as he is God's divine communication to us, the, the word made flesh, as that word made flesh gives us word, mm. gives us his words, um, we do well to concentrate on them to make sure we're hearing him correctly so that ultimately, as we've talked about all year, we want to apply them um, correctly. Uh, they're, they're critical in that way. They're also, I love parables because they are a a picture of the imaginative nature of Christ. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, the creative, as it were, the storytelling Jesus, mm -hmm. um, the narrator Jesus. And I just think that's an incredible concept to see about, uh, about Christ, that kind of, that kind of um, common wit, as it were, yeah. uh, to speak to the common person, um, not just these lofty theological things in, mm. in, in church speak or, or synagogue speak, but talking about it in a way that, that the commoner could understand. And that, that's what I love about Christ. It's, it's another evidence of God's love for us in God's condescending to our understanding. Yeah, and it also tells us about the power of story. And we've yeah. talked about this in the previous episode, but people recall and remember stories so often. I mean, I know in your 30 years of preaching, uh, sometimes folks will come up to you afterwards and they won't remember any of the points. None. But they remember that story. They that remember you told, the illustration. That, the illustration yep. that <laughs> yep. you gave, yep. right? Yeah. So that just tells you that the power of story 
can help to drive home points. And I think that's what Jesus did in his parables. And that's that's what people retain more often. So we find that in scripture, many scholars believe that they're up to 50 parables, depending on who mm-hmm. um, is counting them right. and yeah. which ones are being counted as parables. But then we also see that over one third of Jesus's teachings are parables. Right. Right. Which says something to us. Right. Because it's not all like these propositions that mm-hmm. te- Jesus is teaching. He's really telling stories that people can relate to now. What we have to be mindful of is they are fictional, fictional stories. Jesus is telling when he tells parables, mm. fictional stories. John, we cannot Can't stress, stress that, enough. that enough. And that's one of the major keys to understanding the parables. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they might contain real life circumstances. Sure. You're yeah. going to have, you know, you're going to have uh wheat and tears yes. you're gonna have stuff that people can tangibly feel and see yes but ultimately this the parables are fictional stories that are trying to get to a biblical truth yeah. and if you interpret them any other way than being fictional stories then you miss the entire point of the parable you you misunderstand and therefore you misapply mm-hmm. the, the one of the great keys and and i don't want to get ahead of the lesson but one of the great keys is to understand that when the parables communicate something about God Mm. it doesn't necessarily mean that the character that is demonstrating the characteristic that Jesus is saying God has fully represents God in any way right um and and just a quick example of that is the parable of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18 um the judge says you know I don't care about God or man but because this woman wearies me Mm. with her continual coming I'll give her justice from her adversary. Jesus is not saying that God doesn't care. That's not what he's saying. Right. Even though the judge in that parable is representing the characteristic of God, the one who is able to give us justice. Mm-hmm. That's not what he's not saying God doesn't care. He's talking about persistence in prayer and how significant it is. And th- that's just one of the examples mm-hmm. of, of, of one of those things. And uh, mm-hmm. in the same way, uh, the famous parables, the prodigal son and the good Samaritan, mm. um, we do well to know that they don't, f- that every characteristic of the character in the story does not fully represent mm. a characteristic of God. Mm. There is something singular that yeah. is being brought out. And you know what else it does that would be helpful for anyone who is having conversations with people is that parables tend to be less threatening mm-hmm. than direct being being direct in certain circumstances mm-hmm. so jesus would tell parables and then you know as we'll look at uh, on the other side of it folks would be like wait he talking about me right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right that was about me right exactly so exactly. so there's there's also in the parables there's kind of this communication that is less direct but it it helps the truth be soothing for people. Yeah, it, it, I think the, the term would be accessibility, John. It yeah. creates a greater accessibility to sometimes what can be challenging truths. Mm. Um, and it's it's a it's a Jesus is not Jesus is not scared of anybody. He mm. he he walks up to folk and like you know you're a hypocrite. <laughs> you know, say <what> <laughs> he's he's not scared of folk. Uh, mm. But as he's dealing with with the masses, as it were, and crowds, mm. and and even at times his disciples. Um, he 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 teaches tenderly yeah uh sometimes those tough lessons that's good and and makes them accessible yeah 
So, so generally with parables, there are two levels of meaning. So we have this earthly story that, that really communicates this kingdom mm-hmm. or heavenly meaning that you really have to mind out of the text um, through the interpretive principles that we'll, we'll talk about. Um, so Jesus is very intentional by, by using these earthly type of items to make sure people, and they're, they're, they're stuff that people are familiar with. Very common. It, it, again, yeah. accessibility. Think he does not talk to common people about uncommon events or <laughs> subject matters. Mm. It, these are things that, that were readily familiar, close to them in their everyday lives. Mm. Yeah, It's like almost like he sees seeds and he's like, a sower went out to sow yeah. seeds. Yeah, yeah. This so is, y'all know y'all y'all go to the farm. Y'all know what farming <laughs> looks like. So yeah, somebody went out, right. had some seeds, and man, they didn't all grow. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that kind of thing, very 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 accessible. Yeah, and and you know you'll see that in preaching illustrations when P uses illustrations, he tries to make sure that that those stories are accessible to the folks that 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 he's preaching to. And in our preaching ministry, we try to do that with our illustrations because it really does help drive home that point very much so very much yeah so. so so let's talk about how we interpret parables but before we do that i want to talk about the meaning of the word parable itself because it does have a meaning that is contained in the word itself because it's a combination of two greek words which is para and balo so balo means to throw mm-hmm. and then para means alongside yeah. so he's throwing these stories alongside of teachings that he has to help drive home points. Yeah, that, that power of that alongside is the same kind of uh, prefix for the word that is translated helper or comforter mm-hmm. in John 14, uh, paraclete. paraclete. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's used in several contexts that power is used for someone who comes alongside to help. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of a, of a, of a, a cavalry that comes alongside in warfare. It's, it's an assistance. It's an added. It's a punch. It's a push. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about parables and illustrations and sermons especially are that they are to magnify the message, yeah. the larger message. And so we don't get lost in the weeds of them because Jesus is making a point and the story is just to amplify, illustrate, hmm. magnify the principle, the eternal truth that he is communicating and, and hmm. grabbing that first, hmm. getting that first. He's not telling the story to be entertaining even though some of them are right he's not telling the story to be startling even though some of them are Mm. he's telling the story because there's a divine truth and the story that is familiar and connective and all of those things is thrown alongside the principle Mm. the picture amplifies the principle and that's what a parable is that's why he uses them so often yeah and and that's the key to interpreting the parables themselves you have to find the truth that is contained in the passage don't focus on all the items all the people that's going on because if you focus on those things you will miss the divine truth that that god and christ ultimately is trying to get at john limited here's what parables are parables are Frying the pork chop. All right. Illustration. In 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 the, in your cast iron skillet. And then using the drippings of that to make the gravy. Mm. Parables mm. are the gravy made from the substance left. That's important. It's made from the substance that's Jesus th- is he's he's teaching a truth mm. and he makes some gravy <laughs> out that truth. Now you could just eat the pork chop, but mm. 
but you smother that thing. I ain't got no witnesses around here. I thought I'd, somebody would have said yes, Lord, right there. When you smother that thing, John, it does something. It it amplifies. It mm. it 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 increases um, the the palatability of mm. the experience, and that's thrown alongside. You 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 can have pork chops and dry rice, but if you make some gravy with that thing, yes, Lord Jesus. Listen, that, y'all don't go to the refrigerator. Yeah, just you, yet. You, and you you know some it's something to sop. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that revelation right there. It's something to sop. Mm. Yeah. Parables help you sop it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, so let's talk about parables in the context of Scripture. And obviously many of them are going to be found in Jesus' teaching, but there are some in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. You've and got some good, some good examples of parables in the Old Testament as well. And we want to look at one of our favorite ones. Ooh. I think this is... I don't know about favorite, but favorite, yes. <laughs> this is a, this is a good one because yes. it it, it kind of outlines what we're what we're going to get into, and it's found in Second Samuel, chapter twelve. I just I just like the the irony and I just like yeah, everything it's, about it's it. It's such a well constructed, well told story with a punch in the gut at the end. Mm-hmm. It's it's just genius. It's genius. Yeah, it's yeah. genius. So, Even while being confrontational. Yeah. So we're providing some some context here, right? This is David uh, being confronted by Nathan the prophet, and and David has, and we talked about this in previous episodes. David has just uh, taken uh, Bathsheba, mm-hmm. who was married to one of his men, yep. who he sent into battle yeah. to get killed, yeah. and uh, slept with her. Yep. And David is now in a position where Nathan shows up mm-hmm. and now he's going to have a conversation with David. Listen, but he got away with it, John. Yeah, he did. He got away with it. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, he, he sends uh, Uriah out into the battle after having um, slept with his wife. Mm. He's gotten her pregnant and he says, hey, y'all, um, yep. put him out there, draw back from him. The man dies. Mm. David consoles and, oh, I'm going to marry her now. You know, and we... we had a son. All right. And got, it was like, okay, we're past all right, this. All right. We got him. Okay. But. Aha. And this is literary context. Mm-hmm. Look at the look at the verse right previous to this, right? Um, and when the morning was over, this is chapter 11, verse 27, David sent and brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore, a son, bore him a son. But the thing that David did had, had done displeased the Lord. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's see what God does. Here in chapter 12. So chapter 12 opens with these words. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but our little one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up and it grew up with him and with his children. He used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who would come to him. Then <laughs> David's anger was right. greatly kindled against the man. Right. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives... The man who has done this deserves to die, mm-hmm. and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, 
You are the man. You are the man. Old King James, thou art. Thou art the, the man. man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, mm. hmm, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You've struck down Uriah the, the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and had killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will rise up evil against you out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes, give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the sun. Wow. John D. Wow. Let's just talk about the interpretive part. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's, of course, so many divine truths mm -hmm. laid out mm -hmm. in this experience. But the interpretive part, David is about to misinterpret this because he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. It's a parable. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why he's thinking Nathan is giving him the news mm -hmm. <laughs> from the streets. Like, who is this man? Yeah. He did, man, who did this? What? <laughs> Say what? Let's go get. I mean, he's he's thinking this is this mm -hmm. is a mm -hmm. real story when it is a parable that has a singular mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. The other issue is if we interpret this parable, this you lamb, these flocks, what are we to take from the fact that? The lamb ate the morsel and drank from the cup. Right. Nothing. Not a thing. It is just <laughs> it is just color for the story. That's all it is. It is just making Nathan is using color, using shading, using um, narrative creativity mm. to increase the significance of the singular point he's making to David, mm -hmm. which is mm. God don't like what you did, Doc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's God is offended yeah. by what you've done. Yeah, I mean, and then once he got through the story and then he got David where he needed him to be. Yes. That's when the truth was it came out. Yeah. It's you. It's you. Yeah. Imagine that moment for David. He's yeah. like you got me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean there there is and 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 that's again confrontational. Mm -hmm. It's a very confrontational parable. I am I am confronting you with something mm. um, um, that involves judgment, mm. that involves the wrath of God that we're going to see happens in an immediate way and then in an ultimate way uh, in David's life. The, the child, the initial child he has with uh, Bathsheba is going to be taken from him in death and then he's going to have all of these family issues and family drama. That's what it means. The sword won't leave his house. He's going to yeah. have a... a, 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 a son to rape a daughter and then a son to kill that son and then a son to try to usurp the throne and all of this as the result of his own mm. um of his own sinfulness the re the residuals of this uh resound through his family all of those things happen but he's going to bring it to david in an accessible way rather than mm -hmm. just pronounce judgment yeah he's bringing it to him in an accessible way right through this story to create in david this sense of anger mm. and 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 how dare he 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 
makes David feel how God feels. Mm. And and to your point on the coloring language around coloring it, you see the juxtaposition of the poor man. Mm-hmm. Man, he only got one. He got man, one little one little you lamb, man. One she lamb. just one little one little that's like a daughter to him, man. Looks like a little little. Got one little Bathsheba. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how. <laughs> let me tell you how bad. Let me tell you how bad Nathan was. He was like, man, one little you lamb who grew up with his children. Yeah. Doc. Oh. Which is killing me with this, <laughs> killing me with this. It was like his daughter, man, like just one of the kids yeah, running run around the yeah, house. Yeah. And and for That's you know crazy. people who have you know um, pet children, some of y'all mm-hmm. are dog mothers and dog fathers and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know you know that affection, and and David feels that as a shepherd yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other accessible part. Mm-hmm. David mm-hmm. is a shepherd himself, mm-hmm. having that same familiarity and care. He, all the sheep knew yeah. him. He yeah. knew all of the sheep by name. Mm. Uh, he he knows what that is. He knows what that relationship is, which is why it angers him so much. And that's that's how that's what makes the parables powerful because you tell the story that folks can relate to. Mm-hmm. Like you know this. Like you you lived in this, David. Mm-hmm. And now that we talked about the poor man, there's a rich man here too. Right. And that's you. That's you. <laughs> you yeah. are you. This rich man. Yeah. And this man. This man that you sent off the war, he was just a little poor man mm-hmm. with one little ewe lamb. Yeah, and you took that man's lamb. Yeah. And and we're not talking about this part, but man, when he when he says that, you know, God gave you all this stuff. He gave you the kingdom, mm-hmm. gave you Israel and Judah, gave you um, um, Saul's uh, harem, all of those things, and then says, if that wasn't enough, mm-hmm. if you had just asked, man, yeah, yeah, God would have given you twice as much. As much. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't that? I mean. I don't want to get on that. I don't want to get on the, the on the idea that God is not against us having abundance. Mm. It is how we get to abundance that matters. There. How we get there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk to let's talk about some of the New Testament parables because this would be what many people are familiar with, and we want to look at a certain set in the book that we've been working through uh, with the Transfiguration. Right. So mm-hmm. we're we're going to turn back to Matthew. And look at Matthew 13. But before we do that, I want to I want to lay out some some principles for yeah. interpretation of parables and then we'll apply them to both of these texts here. Yeah. So we've already gotten to one of the first ones, which is don't read too much into the parable. We, we've talked about this and we cannot drive that home enough. You cannot try to find hidden meanings in the parables um, there in the first century. There was a group of folks who were called Gnostics. Gnostics. Um, yeah. And that, that word really means I know more than you know. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> secret knowledge. I have this secret, secret knowledge, knowledge yeah. that you don't have. And I think many people try to recapture that spirit when they think through interpreting parables especially. Oh, because man. there's so many images there. It's like, oh, this sounds like this. This means that, and that <laughs> means this, and this represents these. And what, we, what we're talking about are allegorical interpretations. Yeah. An allegory is saying that the table represents the table land of heaven, and the book represents the book of life. And unless there is an explicit mm-hmm. explanation mm-hmm. that relates an object in the parable to something else, it ain't that. if it's that Mm -hmm. jesus will say this was that yeah um otherwise we are to just get the there's one truth so don't read too much in the parables and people get bogged down in the weeds and i'm going to use those famous two again prodigal son is famous and and um Mm. 
and uh, Good Samaritan is famous, and people want to make every little aspect. Those things are just the coloring. They're just mm-hmm. salt and pepper. They're not the actual substance itself. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're hot sauce. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, not, that's, not the actual, that's not the actual substance that we're trying to consume. It's just to season it. Um, and so when Jesus is given all of these details and things like that, it's just because he can tell stories where he's just a yeah. good storyteller. Good storyteller. He's just a good storyteller. Yeah. 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 So don't read too much into it. That's very critical. Very critical. And then we also just want to circle back and talk about what we've already talked about, which is context is mm-hmm. key. Still key even with the parables. Yes. So you still have to look at the literary context. What's happening before and after the passage that you're looking at, right? Mm-hmm. You got to look at the historical and cultural context. Very agrarian society. Yes. Which is they plant seeds. Plant and harvest and f- flocks and yeah. and goats. So they, they're farmers. Yeah. So they're obviously. Farm-based economy. Jesus is going to use what they're familiar with mm-hmm. again, like we talked about. So the cultural context is helpful. Of why is Jesus teaching this in this particular culture? Mm-hmm. And what would they have understood him to mean yes. when he says this about the seeds and sowing the seeds and that harvest and the wheat and the chaff. And, and another part of the culture that we have to remember is that Jesus is speaking to a largely Jewish audience. Yeah. And so there are matters that matter that will make sense to the Jewish mind, mm. which is why we have to go back and understand their culture and their thinking in that day. Mm. Because you and I, most of us, don't have those same ideas and concepts. Mm. Um, so it's important not to look at these from the Western yeah. world and Western eyes. Um, so you, again, I'm going to go back to prodigal son. I'm not going to say, well, of course he embraced him when he came home. No, no. <laughs> you were supposed to stone that boy. Mm-hmm. You were supposed to throw rocks at him until he died. Yeah. Cause yeah. that's the culture. When the father runs and embraces him. And you certainly don't run. You do not run. That's a shame. That's embarrassing. Yeah. And you don't touch him after he done been with them hogs either. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's count. That's the culture would be offended mm. by the actions of that father. Yeah. Um, not saying, oh, of course you would love your children no matter what. No, that wasn't, that mm. wasn't a culture. Mm. It sounds good to us. That's right. Yeah, you love your children no matter what. No, doc, we stone you if you embarrass the daddy. Yeah. That's the culture. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So so that's atmosphere. We talked about the three A's of context, right? So atmosphere, and you got to also understand the audience. Yeah. Who is it been being spoken to? Mm-hmm. Uh, just like we saw with Nathan and David, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was an audience there, mm-hmm. and Nathan was directly addressing, and he told them, yeah. that's you. That's you. That's you, <laughs> So when you're reading the parables, you have to probably go back and see who Jesus is sitting and talking with. So you understand what is he trying to get at in terms of who he's trying to target with that truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also want to think about the, the author. Yes. As we've talked about. So so this is Matthew. Um, and so with his discourses, Matthew, uh, he kind of shapes his gospel in a way that's topical. Yes. So yep. what we see in this particular section that we're going to look at starting in chapter 13 is that you're going to see parables back to back. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus didn't say, let's go to the studio so I can just drop all these parables. <laughs> yeah, on. Right, right, <laughs> I can drop right. all these parables on y'all. Right. No, he combined those parables right. um, and put them into a teaching unit uh, that will be helpful for us as listeners to kind of or readers to be able to see. Right. 
Yeah, let me, let me, let me, I'm going to mess folks up again. I want to remind you that the only person who's really worried about chronology is Luke. Yeah. In terms of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Luke is the only one that's really that concerned about chronology. The mm-hmm. other gospel writers are writing the order of their accounts are based on the theological premise that they are writing from. Matthew's gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. Yes, sir. Yeah. Kingdom theology. Um, this is why the Sermon on the Mount, and I am of the belief that Jesus did, in fact, say the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. in one sitting there on the side of the, of, of the mountain. But also we're going to see in Luke that he says pieces of that in different places at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, like all good preachers, uh, we have what we call a stick. That's yeah. a sermon that works everywhere, every yes, time. Sir. And so Jesus's message of the kingdom was his stick. It's what he preached everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are examples of illustrations Jesus would use mm-hmm. when he's talking about what the kingdom of God, God's intended reign as it will be manifested in and through the Messiah. Mm-hmm. That's Jesus himself as it will come. This is what it will be like. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what Matthew lays out as he pulls these parables together that Jesus probably spoke in different places at different times. Yeah. And, and another important piece for interpreting parables is trying to understand what type of repetition mm-hmm. is in the parable. We've talked about this with words. If you yeah. see words happening over and over again, those words are going to be important, especially as it pertains to being between parables. If you have multiple parables together, if you see certain words that show up, and we'll talk about some of those here soon, then those are going to be important ones that you know in terms of that repetition. Yes. And then finally, you want to look at what, how does it conclude? Mm-hmm. Sometimes your conclusion is going to be the truth that Jesus is getting at when it gets to the end of, of the parable. Now, sometimes it's not. You're going to get that hanging ending. Yes. And the disciples are going to come up and say, bro, what was you talking no, about? What were we, 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 we supposed to do with this? Now, here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus, so so he he he, he does not present these parables often uh, deductively. He does not state a proposition and then describe it or prove it or whatever. It's inductive. He's going to start this story. He's going to weave this narrative, and then he's going to give you a punchline at the end or not. And the not is the thing I love about Jesus. He leaves you with that unresolved tension Tension. because the end of the parable is up to you. Hmm. Hmm. And there are so many examples of that in, and Luke is going to have a couple of them with the, with the, uh, with the uh, tree that the master wants to cut down Mm -hmm. and the, and the gardener says, Hey, let me get one more year (laughs) to dig around it and put some fertilizer around it. And if it doesn't bear fruit, then cut it down. Mm. Um, but if it does, let's keep on rocking and rolling. And that's it. Mm. And it's like, well, what happened to the tree? Well, we don't know. It depends on what you do. You yeah. are the tree yeah. that should have been cut down, and you're being fertilized and given another opportunity. Same mm. thing with the prodigals, mm. uh, the son that goes out into the far country, the son that comes, uh, that stays home. Um, we don't get a resolution because the the real point of that parable is that those who are farthest from God, God is seeking after, and those who claim to be closest to God should be celebrating that. Mm. And what happens to the older brother? Well, we don't know Mm. because he leaves it hanging. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and there is a, there was a volitional aspect to the response to the parable. What am I to do with this? Yeah. 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 So we're going to look at 
Matthew chapter 13 and look at a couple of parables here, but just for a little bit of literary context, Jesus is actually sitting. Uh, it's interesting. He's sitting on a boat and then there are crowds on the shore, Yeah, which is going to be important for what we look at in the parable. So I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to leave that hanging yeah. right there for a second. Yeah. And uh, just talk about the purpose of his parables, because once he tells this first parable in the beginning of chapter 13, the disciples then come to him and say, hey, what does that mean? Yeah. And then he says to you, it's been given the secrets or mysterion, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So he's telling them that I'm telling these parables because there are some people that these truths are going to be hidden from. Mm -hmm. Now, that sounds kind of mean in, in the first instance when you think about it. It's like, why you? Why you want to hide the truth from folks? Mm -hmm. And then the disciples are able to understand it, but not always understand it completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so parables are like prophecy in this way. Fulfillment mm. creates understanding or allows for proper understanding. Um, this hiddenness, you know, theologically, uh, John, of course, because of Matthew's emphasis on Jewish believers to understand that the Messiah is born from the family of the Jews to the family of the Jews, and they are given initially, as it were, first crack mm -hmm. at believing and trusting mm -hmm. uh, in Christ. And yet, in the redemptive plan of God, God permits a hardening of their heart, a blinding of their eyes, a, 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 and an uh, a lack of hearing with understanding for their ears mm -hmm. so that the gospel is then exposed and um, can grow among people who are non-Jews or, or what we call Gentiles. And, and so the privilege of, of the people to be in the biological family of the Messiah right. and the privilege of having first access to the Messiah uh, is greater than that sense of, oh, it seems so unfair that they mm. didn't. Now, mind you, let's get to the lack of understanding part, too. Mm. It's not that God doesn't want them to understand is that sin in the human heart the prevents us from understanding <laughs> without the help aid and revelation illumination of the holy spirit to what has been revealed so um that that's that's the aspect that that matthew is making sure is clear to them that jesus is coming to the jewish community as messiah they are going to initially not fully accept very few will most will not and then the gospel is going to be for the whole wide world that's the end of matthew's gospel go to the whole world mm. and and make disciples of all mm. nations all ethnos mm. yeah and so and so he's he's laying out that parable of that very famous in the beginning of chapter 13 of matthew the very famous parable of the sower some seed falls in good places some falls uh, most falls in bad they say how do we what are we supposed to do with this he says all right here's what it is <laughs> it's the word right right jesus says he, interp he yes. actually interprets the parable yes. himself which he does yeah. very rarely yes. but when he does it yeah he unpacks that thing and, and we don't have time to deal with that one john because i want to get to the to the ones we really want to unpack yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it, again this is one of the things you are not the sower this is not about you sowing money. Lord Jesus. It's not about you sowing money. Help to reap now listen listen paul says you can sow and reap but yeah. that's not from this not text. This not from this text. You got to go to Second Corinthians nine for that. That's that one over there. That's so your favorite preacher's favorite preacher yeah. is not preaching that <laughs> text, no, right? That's, that's, that's <laughs> not correct. No, you are the ground. The question is, what is the condition of your heart? Mm -hmm. And he tells that first. It's deliberate 
because the rest of these parables are the seed being sown. That's it. And the question is, how is your heart going to respond? Receive those. Yeah. Yeah. So let's look at two of those and get a little bit practical with our with our keys and tips on interpreting parables. And we pick these two intentionally because they they aren't dealt with as much as the others, but they're so rich. Oh, man. I mean, they're only two verses, a couple of verses apiece and so much in both of them that we're like, oh, we got it. We got to get <laughs> into talk. these. So let's, go. let's work. On so that. let's start here with the parable of the pearl of great value. Verses number 45 and 46. Listen to this parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Mm. Now, now let's go back to this literary context, right? So again, when we talked about literary context and you see words like again, what are we supposed to do, y'all? I see y'all in the comments <laughs> and I see what y'all are saying. Yeah. Look at the verses before. Okay. So he's saying, just like what I just said. Yeah. Here's what the kingdom of God is like. And this is important. This is, this is very, very, very important. Yeah. And why is that important? The, the, the parable beforehand, let's the talk parable about that. beforehand. It's a parallel parable. Yeah. It's the same principle, mm -hmm. slight variation in the story. Yep. to drive a singular point home, which is the overwhelming value mm -hmm. of the king. Now, mm -hmm. let me let me throw this caveat in, John, about this kingdom of heaven. Oh, man, I've used to hear people talk about, oh, the kingdom of heaven is this and the kingdom of God is that. Kingdom of heaven is this, kingdom of God is that. No, no, no ma'am, no, sir. No. So in Matthew's gospel, because, again, of a of Jewish author to Jewish audience, they did not believe it was reverent to say God. Mm -hmm. In fact, they wrote the name of God, Yahweh mm -hmm. without the vowels. The, our transliteration would be Y-W um, uh, or Y-H-W-H, -H, Yahweh. They would not say it. So they would say heaven in place of God. Yes. So this is the kingdom of God. That the is king, the difference. That's the only reason. It's not different places. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> not different ideas, different places. Yeah. Kingdom yeah. of heaven is the kingdom of God. Mm. Kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven. Mm. Okay. Heaven is just a placeholder for the name God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they felt it was more reverent to say that. So you look at that prior parable and, and, and John, that's you know, verses 44, uh, uh, verse 44 rather mm. says kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, mm. we come right back at it. Kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got two different instances here. You got one person who accidentally yep. comes upon this treasure mm -hmm. that he found, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have this person who is searching. searching. He's searching. And finds the treasure very intentional on the part of Jesus yeah. because it tells us and tells us as preachers, too, because sometimes we can get impatient with some folks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it tells us that some people the Lord is going to knock off their donkey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and bring them into the kingdom of heaven. Right. That's what we see with this man who finds this treasure accidentally. I'm not looking for it. Mm -mm. I'm not looking for it. I happen upon it, yeah. but I see how valuable it is. Interrupting grace. It's grace that interrupts mm. my normal everyday, the plans of my life. Some some mm. people have that experience. Yeah. You know, you were just going about your business and 
had this divine interruption into your mm. life in some kind of way, something perhaps tragic or difficult or perhaps something mm. blessed and beneficial. You, you know, you came for a baby dedication and the gospel got you, something <laughs> like that. You know, you came to watch your nephew in the Easter play and the gospel got a hold of you. Something happened mm. and it, you, but you weren't necessarily on the hunt for God. You know, mm. you were like, okay, God's a pretty nice mm. idea. But then they, there was this interrupting mm. um, um, experience. Yeah. And and that value becomes it, it's such that you are willing to give up all for the sake of it, yeah. which is really where we where we're getting to with this parable. The second one, mm. again, same value, same result, mm. different process. This person is looking for. I love this. Mm. I lo- listen to the detail of Jesus tells. This person is looking for fine pearls with an S. Yes. Oh, that's that I'm, right there. I'm looking. I'm, <laughs> This person is looking for pearls, mm. fine pearls. This is a merchant. This yeah. is a person who deals, this is a jewelry dealer. And that's his know. name. His name is Imperios. And yes. so that word we get emporium from, mm-hmm. and it literally is the second part of it, literally, literally means traveler. Yeah. World traveler yeah. looking for these items. Yeah. Yeah. And then he finds one pearl. Which presupposes that. He understands lesser valued pearls right. he's, he's, to, to he's, understand the great value of this pearl. He's seen pearls. He's touched pearls. He, that, that's okay. That's a good one. Uh, that's, that's average. No, this is really good. And then he finds this one pearl. But this one is worth me being wealthy. Yeah. Selling. He's, he goes and sells everything else hmm. for that one pearl hmm. in the same way hmm. that the, the person before, the parable before, the person does not go and dig up the treasure. They buy the field. Yeah. <laughs> the whole field. They get the whole field. Mm. In the same way, this person sells everything, quits the pearl <laughs> enterprise. Because <laughs> this one joint mm. is, the, is, is worth it all. Is it? That's, is it? And, and he says the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like that. Yeah. And that's why this literary context is important because mm. these two parables have to be read together yes. in order for you to best understand it. I want to talk about a cross-reference here mm-hmm. because if you did get a study Bible, since we've been telling you all to get one, you certainly will find a cross-reference in Matthew chapter 7. You go back a little bit, same book, uh, Matthew chapter 7, and there's a reference to pearls here that really helps us to understand the concept of the value of pearls in scripture now some of y'all be using this verse um wrongly but listen to what this verse says okay (laughs) i I like to use it wrong myself a lot (laughs) i do i do it intentionally do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot to turn to attack you yeah now that statement we have to understand the cultural context there because as you mentioned in leviticus both dogs and pigs are unclean. Considered unclean. Dogs are not domestic animals in this context. Yeah, I, I, I know you love Rex. <laughs> I know you. I know you love. I know. I know you love Mo. <laughs> but however, and yet dogs were unclean, and clean and unclean were generally determined by whether you could eat them or not. Yeah, I mean, that was the that was the idea. And so, they they were scavengers. They were I mean, they were in the streets. And, yeah. They growl at you in public. Yeah. it's like you didn't want to be around a dog no. or a pig because these wild hogs were. They had tusk. Yeah. And yeah. when he says trample you under their feet, they literally, when when hogs were running in the streets, they would trample children. Yeah. So this is what we get. Don't cast your pearls of great value mm-hmm. 
to these folks, or these two types of people yeah. who will trample them under their feet. And, and, and John, the key to understanding the parable over here in, in chapter 13 is to see what Jesus uses the pearls to illustrate in chapter 7, what is holy. Mm. Don't take what is holy. Yeah. And I'm going to make that holy. I'm going to paint a picture of holiness mm. and I'm going to call it a pearl. Yeah. 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 It's I'm, I'm going to say holiness is pearl. Pearl is holiness. So that when you hear pearl, mm. you think holy things. Mm. You think holiness. You think that which is mm. eternally valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And then now mm. we mm-hmm. then read chapter 13 yeah. where we see there's this one pearl. Mm hmm of great price yeah that's worth everything else yeah and and some parallel for our culture would be diamonds so Mm -hmm. pearls in that culture were the diamonds Mm -hmm. of today so if you found a diamond of great value Mm -hmm. then certainly you would uh go to all efforts and extent to go and get that certain diamond right sure sure and and I I, I want to get to the punchline, John. But I'm, well, let's walk to it. Let's walk. <laughs> we let's, walk into it. Let's walk to it. We let's walk, walk to it. it. So, so give, give us some more cultural. Let's talk about concept. some more c- cultural context here because uh, pearls were so important. Mm-hmm. And this is this was hilarious to me when I found it out. Pearls were are so important that that divers would dive into the Red Sea, the uh, Indian Ocean, the Persian Gulf, uh, looking for pearls. And here's what they would do, because they they were buoyant mm-hmm. they had to make sure they got to the bottom yep to be able to get the oysters that the pearls were in so they would tie weights on themselves mm-hmm. and dive to the bottom and some of them didn't come up didn't come up they died <laughs> looking for these pearls because they knew that they could have great value so in this context these divers mm-hmm. they put these weights on and some of them would be like all right <laughs> I'll see y'all later. Yeah, maybe. And, and maybe. they ain't never come back. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to allegorize this. Like, but I'm telling you not to do, I want to do. Because that's what some of y'all do with the scripture. You get so deep. <laughs> you get so deep <laughs> that you drown. You'd be drowning. Yeah, that's, that's a bad, that's a bad uh, interpretive <laughs> practice, but I'm talking good anyhow. You just get so deep that you drown. And, uh, you know, you, you cease to be a regular person. Yeah. Uh, but mm, but mm, it, we, we're trying to highlight the significance of the pearls and how important they were and how mm. the lengths that people would go mm. to get them, to find them. Um, they, were, they were treasured immensely yeah. in this day, in yeah. this culture. Yeah, yeah. So then we want to look at, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about cultural context here and before we move into our n- next parable. But I want to talk about the repetition here. We mm-hmm. talked about that being a key. Uh, what you're going to see in terms of repetition, and we mentioned this, is that both of these folks sold all that they had yeah. and bought it. Yeah. Which means those that phraseology is mm-hmm. important to what Jesus is getting at here in the text in terms of the truth. Yeah. yeah. So you got to make sure you understand that repetition. And I can't hold my peace, John. The the pump, the, the kingdom of heaven, <laughs> the kingdom of God, is the king of God. The treasure is the Christ. The pearl Mm. is the Christ. Christ is the treasure Mm. that is worth selling everything and buying the whole field. Mm. Christ is the pearl that makes me say all the other pearls of value, even holy things. (laughs) The law was holy. The priesthood was holy. Again, we're talking Jewish concepts. The prophets 
were holy. They, they, they were holy things. Mm. But there's one great pearl that makes me stop looking for other pearls. Ooh. I, I don't want to get into po- it, John. Pointer said he couldn't hold his peace. I, I don't want to get into it. But this <laughs> is why when I have the Christ, let me go back to our last uh, mm. study, our last season. When I have the Christ, that's why I don't need a, another pearl like a horoscope, even if that were holy. Mm. Or another pearl like a tarot card, even if it were holy. Because I got the greatest one. Yes, that's sir. worth it all. Yes, sir. And that value exceeds anything else. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, so that's that's the message. Mm-hmm. Like everything yeah. pales in comparison yeah. to the kingdom of God and, and this pearl that we're talking about. Yeah. And and Paul mentions that in Philippians where he talks about all of his accolades. Yeah. And he says, I count all of this as rubbish They're for nothing. the sake of yeah. knowing Christ. He yeah. he sold all that he had, all yeah. all of his Jewish heritage background all of the learning at the feet of Gamaliel. Yeah. He said, all of this stuff is just dung and, compared and, to and, knowing Christ. And, and, and might I say, as we're studying how to study, might, might I also ask us, you know, because I think many of us think we have that great pearl, mm. but you don't have that great pearl if you have not sold all. That's it. That's it. If you're still holding anything back, any aspect of your life, if, if Christ is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Mm. And to have the pearl requires selling all, but the thing is, it's worth mm. selling all of my aspirations and dreams and desires. It's worth giving up everything that I think was important to me because he is worth all of it. Mm. He's worth all of it. His, his value exceeds anything um, that this world could offer or anything that I could ever hope for as a part of this passing, fading, temporary place. Okay, we're going to get to this next one, but I have to say this because um, this really touches at the heart of what this parable is getting at because this parable is one of the few parables that talks about the kingdom of heaven not being like a thing Mm -hmm. but a person. Yeah. So it says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in mm-hmm. this text. Mm-hmm. And so so ultimately, when we're talking about the Christ application here, we're talking about the one who gave up all mm-hmm. for something that he felt was valuable enough to give up everything. Yeah. And so when you think about the cultural context here with the pearls, um, and we, we know this as, as pastors and preachers, is that when you look at the pearl, that oysters create pearls through a process of friction. Friction. So sand gets underneath the shell and friction creates the pearl. And the value of the pearl is based on the amount of friction mm-hmm. that is found in the shell. Yeah. Yeah. And Christ himself has endured the greatest friction in the history of mankind. Yeah. By being crucified on the cross yeah and through that friction that creates this great valuable pearl that we that we are to be willing to give up everything yeah and sell everything for the for the for the worth of this friction that has happened in the life of our savior john we gotta go but man we are so focused on what we give up Mm. that we miss what we are gaining. 
Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. We, we, I got to give this up. I got to give that up. I gotta, it's really, you're really not, mm. it pales in comparison mm. to what you are gaining. Wow. Because to follow Christ is not to give up pleasure. It mm. is to give up the illusion of it for the reality of it. That's it's true. not to give up prosperity is to give up the illusion of prosperity mm. for the reality of it. It's not to give up happiness or joy. It is to give up the illusion of happiness and joy for real happiness and joy. Mm. And that is why it's worth selling all selling out. Mm. You know, we used to say those things. I'm sold out for Christ. We don't say that kind of stuff anymore. Mm. You know, fully committed, those kinds of ideas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right, so let's hit this last parable, and then uh, we can close our time out. But this one is very important as well. So, uh, again, he says in verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of this age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm. Man, oh man. Mm, mm, this mm, one right mm, here. Mm, okay, so let, let, me, let me just talk about a key thing here in Matthew. Because Matthew is, is a judgy gospel. <laughs> <laughs> Ma- Matthew, uh, he, he's okay with judgment. Yeah, the, the, that idea, <laughs> can't nobody judge me but God. That ought to scare you, that joint, that's, that's this, that's Matthew. That's Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Ma- Matthew's going to be like, that ought to scare you. Yeah, yeah, that ought to And so he, he has this judgment language because, again, this is a very Jewish gospel. Mm-hmm. And they understand the judgment of God. And so, so this, this parable, which we're going to get to the truth that, that's, that's laid out here, um, it's not about evangelism. Mm-mm. It's not about fishing. This is not about, this is not Peter, I will make you fishers of men. No. That's not this, that's no. not what this is. No, which he said early in Matthew, Matthew 4, he says, I will make you fishers of men. Mm-hmm. Well, this ain't him illustrating that. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. This is, this is judging Matthew showing up. <laughs> and we're going to talk about what that looks like here in the context of this particular passage. Uh, so we know there, there are no, um, Synoptic parallels for this one, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and it appears right after this pearl passage. And again, we see that word again, which means we need to connect these two somehow. Um, but what we see as a contrast in these two passages is that this man sold his uh, everything mm-hmm. for this one pearl. Yeah. In this particular passage, we're going to see what a catch of what many fish. Of, of so we go from one. Mm-hmm. Here, that one pearl, and now we see there's multiplication in this particular text, right? And, and John, what, when, when Jesus is telling these parables, we got to see it as as a, like, you know, like a diamond, mm-hmm. or, or like a prism. Yeah. You know, it white light has all of the colors in it, and what a prism does, or what a diamond can do, is it refracts the different colors mm. of the of the spectrum that are contained in that in white light so the idea is that the kingdom of heaven jesus is saying let me turn the diamond this way so you see this color let me turn it another way so you see this color yeah i'm turning another way so you see this color so what jesus has done is he's just turned the diamond now Hmm. so we see a different color refracting on the wall than we did before that's good so this is a this is an aspect of the kingdom of god Hmm. it's an aspect of the king's kingdom that he wants to highlight this part of it, mm. which is, 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 is there's a judgment yeah. aspect yeah. 
to the king. He's not just this, you know, he's, he's not um, just this uh, Santa Claus. Mm. He's a king, and kings rule and make judgments, and lawbreakers are punished. Mm. Yeah. 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 So let's talk a little bit about some cultural context and some word context here as we close here in a little bit. So, so with this particular text, we're talking about a culture of fishermen who understand what he's talking about here mm-hmm. because what you're going to see is they're not using a regular fishing net. No. This particular net is what is called a drag net. Drag net. And that drag net has weights on it so that one half of the net can go on the bottom. And then it has these corks so that the other part can be at the top. And they would take the net in a circular fashion and it would gather whatever came in the net. Mm-hmm. Now, we about to mess up some of y'all seafood goals in your <laughs> life. So don't get mad at us because this is what the text says in here. <laughs> so when they took the net ashore, sure enough, everything got in the net. Everything. Everything. Fish that you can't eat and fish that you can't, can't eat. And included in the fish that you can't eat are shellfish. Yeah. So they would throw back. Yeah, you know, y'all's crabs, yeah. your shrimp, Oof. all the shellfish. Thank God for the blood. <laughs> Thank you. They tossing them back <clears throat> in the sea. They were unclean according to, yeah. to, to Mosaic law. You couldn't have couldn't have your scrimps. You couldn't have your lobster. Mm. You know they they had to toss <laughs> they had to toss back. You know uh, those those good uh, scallops and things of that. They couldn't eat those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about clean mm. and unclean. Mm. Yeah. Um, talking about things that could be bought and sold, mm-hmm. things that were in their uh, culture of yeah. no marketable value mm-hmm. among the Jewish community. And this is how we know it's bigger than fishing, right? Because he says that he got all kinds of fish, which he uses the word genos, which is the word we get genealogy from, mm-hmm. which all means nations. All or, genes yeah. of fish, all all of that. Yeah, So so... In terms of that, um, we also see here that he also uses the word uh, bad Mm -hmm. fish, which if you're just taking fish out of the water, they're not going to be rotten. Yeah, they shouldn't be rotten. They shouldn't be rotten. That's what the word word literally means. Yeah, it means rotten, which goes back to what he talked prior before about fruit Mm -hmm. um, and fruit and trees. So he's getting at something larger than fishing here in this particular text. And we see that as they are able to sit down and sift out these particular um, fish from this particular net. And he goes on and explains what that means, right? Yeah, yeah. this is one of the parables. We don't have to guess what he's talking about. He's going to tell us outright. He says they're going to sit down. They're going to sort out the good into containers, throw away the bad. Mm. And he says, here's what I'm talking about. When it's all over, Mm. the angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace and that where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's going to be very explicit yeah. that the kingdom has a time when mm. those who choose to live in rebellion against the king will be sorted out mm. and there will be judgment. Mm. You can't get around, man. I really, you know, you don't, oh, God is so loving. How can a loving God um, uh, send anyone to judgment? Well, how can a holy God hmm. let any of us in heaven? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you wow. cannot deny that righteous wrath that is God's own sovereign right 
as ruler who is holy mm. and perfectly good and just. The question is not why do some people go to hell. The question is why does anybody get to go to heaven? Wow. And this parable, as, as, as Matthew lays it out, Again, one of those unresolved parables, mm -hmm. as Matthew lays it out, is look, man, make sure when that net is brought to shore, yeah. you're not one of them bad fish. Yeah, yeah. So we have a sorting here that mm -hmm. happens in this particular text. And it's it's interesting that we talked about this in the at the top of this episode, but we talked about how in the beginning of chapter 13, that Jesus is also sitting mm -hmm. and he's sitting in a boat mm -hmm. and then there's a crowd on the shore yep. and there's this separation mm -hmm. that's happening even physically as he's sitting and teaching, yeah. which also uh, reinforces the point that he's trying to make here. Yeah. Yep. He, he, there's a, they're seeing the judge sitting <laughs> mm. as a preview of the judgment that is to come. Mm. One of the applications of this, John, mm -hmm. as we get ready to get out of here is this. It's not sorting time yet. Yes, sir. And furthermore, we are not on the sorting committee. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> we, we, we don't get a vote in the sorting situation, Doc. We, mm. <laughs> my prayer, and mm. thank God for the grace of God, is to make sure I'm on the right side of mm. the sorting situation, not to be looking out to see who ain't you you ain't finna be in I'm 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 a sort you right now. That's the mm. that's the exact opposite of the way to apply mm. that. We have to grab that there will be a time. It's not now and it's all up to Christ. Yeah. So so as you all can see here, it's important for us to interpret the parables correctly. And we all we've given you all tools to be able to do that. We felt it was necessary for us to to take our time on this episode so you could rightly understand how to interpret parables as we look to help you make it make sense. And what we want you all to do is to follow us on all of our social media platforms. We want to make sure you join the Grow Factor group on Facebook, as well as make sure you subscribe to our podcast on all major podcast platforms. However you do, we appreciate you all for your support of the podcast and the Growth Factor family. This has been the Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.